Hi, I'm Elise. I'm Matt, and welcome to Pod Wraiths, a Star Trek Deep Space Nine podcast. If this is your first time joining us, we're two friends watching Star Trek Deep Space Nine and sharing both our deep and irreverent thoughts on our favorite Star Trek series. This week, we're talking about Season 2, Episode 16, Shadow Play. Teleplay by Robert Hewitt Wolf and directed by Robert Shearer. This episode aired on February 20th, 1994. This week on Deep Space Nine, Dax and Odo investigate the mysterious disappearance of several colonists in the Gamma Quadrant. Mysterious. Well, Elise, first, <laughs> mysterious indeed. Well, Elise, first things first, did you or did you not remember watching this episode? <laughs> um, I remembered vaguely, but it's mostly related to the fact that the little girl in the Dax and Odo storyline named Taya uh, was play- also played a-, a VIP, but like VIP to me, probably not to all of the fans <laughs> of 90210, but like played Erica, Dylan's long-lost sister on Beverly Hills 90210, a character who is very near and dear to my heart. Um, And she... Oh, thank you for putting her name in the notes. Uh, Noli Thornton. Um, She also was in an episode of TNG, which I actually found when I was watching TNG. I had tweeted about it, and someone had commented that... She was also in an episode of Deep Space Nine, but I must not have noticed it the first time around, or I didn't tweet about it, or I had forgotten. So, very exciting. I hope I hope Noli's doing doing okay. I didn't see any acting credits past 1998, so I was just like, yeah, I don't want to act anymore. And you know what? Good for you, Noli. Good for you. Yeah, I respect hope there's nothing that. tragic I'm not aware of that's going on in their life. Hopefully they're, they're just happy, healthy, just living their best life somewhere. Yeah. Um, I mean, there were, there were bits of this episode that I remembered, but I mostly only remembered parts of the, um, the Dax and Odo storyline, which actually reminds me that, um, we finally have our classic ABC (laughs) storyline again. (laughs) Yeah. It helps make formatting the notes, um, a little bit better when the episode actually, follows the format of the show that we designed before, yes. <laughs> before uh, we started the project um, so yeah so we have the a story which is probably like the dax odo colonist and then i would say the b story is kira vedic burrell and quark and then maybe the c story is jake and miles would you would you agree with that yeah yeah i'd agree i i definitely agree with that and what's like interesting about this episode because again like i i remembered it i remembered the the twist and the the right. a story and kind of the the setup there but two pretty like major things are referenced for the first time in the b and the c story like respectfully so like mm-hmm. this is like stealth like not only is it like a really enjoyable episode of deep space nine but like as Deep Space Nine continues to flirt more with like serialization and picking up kind of where where TNG kind of started and left off with, especially with some of like the Klingon arc stuff and like everything else of some stakes carrying over beyond episodes, um, we have those definitely in the B and the C storylines with some career potential career decisions, with some relationship decisions. So it's right. like kind of not a skippable episode in what feels like it could be yeah a maybe I, skippable I, episode 
I agree. And I'm not going to elaborate on this too much further because of our spoiler policy, but this episode definitely hits differently to me once you've finished all of Deep Space Nine. And that includes things that are said in the A, epi- a storyline for me. Which, like, sorry to everyone, but I'll tell you, Matt, afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> uh, fair enough. Um, I enjoyed yeah. I enjoyed all three storylines. Like, we got some teen stuff. We got a little bit of romance and deception. And then we had, like, maybe almost a meta-narrative in the A storyline, I thought. Totally. Maybe not intentionally in the 90s, but I feel it works for now, like how things are now. Um, yeah. I'll yeah, get into that really... a little bit more when we discuss that story, though. Yeah, this was just like a really like solid, enjoyable episode of Star Trek. And I had a bit of like a stressful week and like a stressful like friday at work and right. then i was watching this again on, on saturday and just it started and kira and dax or kira and dax the odo and dax were were on the runabout and just had the ambient sounds of like the ambient star trek sounds on the the runabout and i'm just like i felt some tension in my body like just relax and I'm so like, that so that yeah. actually reminds me that um it's really they have a lot of youtube videos where it's just like ambient enterprise noises i wonder if it would be a good idea if you playing that in the background while you're working so then you can be like not stressed while you also have to work which is stressful for all of us but like as a nice calming sound in the background i think that'd be great I definitely did it in university when, like, my insomnia kicked in. Oh, that's um, smart. Just, like, like as, like, a white noise sort of situation. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I do find the noise, the Star Trek noises to be really relaxing. Um, like, even, I don't even, I'm not even talking about, like, the scores right now, which I also really enjoy, but just having, like, the but like the buzzing of the enterprise like how it sounds on the bridge it just it's great it really is it really is okay well did we want to go through actually no let me start that again because we already know what we're gonna do but before we we get into the various storylines just kind of my final call out in the initial section here is kenneth mars who plays coleus the investigator um is the voice of king triton in the little mermaid oh i never i have to rewatch this episode now because i actually only watched it once this time um and listen for that because i watched the little mermaid in september with our friends melissa and manu uh one night so I'm very familiar with King Triton's voice right now. Um, so I'll have to make that connection. And it's it's all fit. so when you think about it from a certain point of view, when Coleus and Odo have scenes together, it's King Triton <gasps> and Remy the Chef yes. from The Little Mermaid, because the oh chef is of gosh. course played by Ronea Bergenois. I love that so much because those characters do not have a scene together. <laughs> no. no, I don't think they'd mermaid. get along as well as Odo. No, and, and I feel like the chef would try to like come up with like a new mermaid dish for for everyone. 
Les poissons, les poissons, how I love les poissons. <laughs> I love the chef because, like, it's very funny to make fun of just, like, a French accent. Like, I <laughs> I think it's great. <laughs> and it doesn't bother me in the slightest. Offense intended. No, I'm just kidding. I have no feelings on French people, but I do think it's really I mean, funny. you are related to English people through marriage, so I think you, you have to pick a side there. I don't think that I want to do that. <laughs> if, Fair enough. Wink, wink. <laughs> uh, I can't ever, like, I'll never pick the English. Sorry. Um, love you, Dan. That's my brother-in-law. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, so let's let's work in reverse order and let's start with the C C the that's all folks. All right, let's go in reverse order and let's start with the C plot which is the Jake Miles Ben stuff. Yeah, so Jake starts his internship with Miles, which is something that goes on for a bit if I recall correctly, which you kind of hinted at in the intro. Um, and we learn a really big thing. Like, Jake does not want to follow in his father's footsteps by going to the Starfleet Academy. Um, it's funny because I remember when I was younger, my parents were like, you should major in accounting. And it felt very much like that, which accounting was not for me. Um, I did my associates in it and I was like, no more, please. So I... Yeah, so that felt, like, very relatable in the sense where, you know, you having to tell your, you like, obviously telling your folks that you're not doing the thing that they want you to do is, with your life, is um, not a fun conversation in most cases. But, of course, Cisco is going to be the type of father who's going to support his son. Like, that did not come as a surprise to me at all. He just wants him to be happy. Like, yeah, like, that that fear that Jake has of, like, knowing this isn't really something he's ever wanted and then just, you know, wanting to make his dad proud and happy. And clearly Ben is so, like, you know, stoked to assign him the comm badge when he starts the internship. And it's, like, kind of a cute moment. But then you find out later that it does have this, like, weight of melancholic of melancholy and expectation on on jake that he's dealing with and just yeah it just uh, the jake and ben stuff really works well for me and like we even basically get to see miles do some some fathering you know right. or, or 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 uncling i guess yeah um, <laughs> in, in this episode because like obviously molly's you know still quite young and everything else but we learn a bit more about miles background and you know there there's a bond yeah. that kind of forms between the story that miles shares about why he joined starfleet and compared to why jake doesn't want to join starfleet um and i think i think in a lot of ways even as early on here in season two of the writers and producers of deep space nine deciding with their their teen character not to send them the starfleet academy to pick like a different path for them is one of the smartest decisions that deep space nine ever could have made totally Um, and not to like cut you off but like the whole time that they're having this storyline i'm like this is definitely their way of differentiating jake from wesley crusher of the next generation we often talk about how deep space nine shows how cisco is different from picard as like but like 
Jake and Wesley Crusher are like the teen version of that. And I'm sure at the time in the news or whenever they, you know, people were talking, not the news, but like people were probably talking on forums about this show that I'm sure people were comparing Jake and Wesley. I didn't really have time to look up to see um, examples of that, but I know that that is how people's brains work. So I'm sure that was the thing that happened. And it just builds out the world. And like, I mean, world building, it, it's kind of a, a dirty word and a little bit this word because now it's all in excuses for to create IP and things like that. Um, but in terms of differentiating the show and, and having the world be different and have a little bit more depth to it, like it, it, it does with, you know, the ability to have so many secondary characters and things like that, you know, not setting it on the station at the starship is just like a smart choice. And, it really again shows the ways and one of the ways in which Deep Space Nine starts to to take the Roddenberry box, which we've talked about before, and just kind of tilt it and play with it like as much as it can while still like, you know, a, a holding to the tenets of '90s the '90s era of Star Trek, and like it even differentiates it from Voyager too, because late in the later seasons of Voyager, there's Naomi a, Wildman. Right, or even Echeb, I was thinking of as, oh, as the yes, ex-Borg teen character who's a little bit like more in that, you know, middle to late teens, Wesley yeah, Crusher territory, fair. prepare on the starship, getting duties, preparing for um, ultimately going to the Academy. Um, rest in peace, Echeb. Spoilers for Picard, I guess. <laughs> so glad you got recast, though, because your actor is a dick. Oh, I don't know anything about that. Um, so I can, I can, it's like, I can spell, like, see his name. I can't like say his last name. Right. I, I don't have the pronunciation in front of me, but, um, he's like a, I love Kevin Spacey guy. I want to work with Kevin Spacey. Stop being so woke everyone like kind of guy. And then he was like really annoyed when there was that e- the seven and each flashback on Picard. Cause like they just brought in a different actor. Right. Um, and he was like, well, they didn't get me because I speak the truth and it's like fucking cancel culture and blah, blah, blah. Oh, I need like... to rewatch Picard because I didn't remember that. But I also feel like because the last time I watched Picard, like when it aired, I had not seen TNG or Voyager yet. So like that wouldn't have that scene wouldn't have meant anything to me. So I have to I have to go back and rewatch those those episodes i don't know why i said those there's only one season um so that guy sounds like a douche so oh well too bad you didn't get that job douched (laughs) well the thing is like would you really want that job because like it's like a flashback and like you're not like Anyways, it's it's like part anyway. Yeah, we're done. We're not a Picard podcast. It's fine. <laughs> the the further I go on, the more I'll have to delete in like three weeks when I post it, and I'll be um, myself. So we just want to say that all acting jobs are good are um are worth having if you get yeah, treated no, nicely course, yes, <laughs> in yes. your employment. I'm just I'm just teasing you, Matt. I know you did not mean otherwise. So let's move into the the B plot, which. <laughs> We have in the notes is Kira slash Barrio slash Quark, which like <laughs> that's not a likely a likely trio. Trio, it's trio. Not a likely yeah, trio. Not, a, not not the triad that never was. Um, 
I so think, Kira... Yeah, I think um, Kira would, like, probably commit murder before letting that happen. <laughs> um, yeah. I think the first scene was really interesting in which we find out that with Odo off the station, Kira's... Um, taking over security and is basically like, I'm watching you. We caught your cousin trying to smuggle stolen goods. I know he's coming to you, blah, 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 blah. Right. And Quark's doing his thing where he's Quark. He's being Quark. He's like, do you not like me? And then Kira lays all the, the ways she thinks he's a disgusting toad. Um, including calling him a collaborator, which I thought, which I I thought was interesting because like, she's not, she's not wrong. And it's something that we've like kind of talked about how like, he was there under the Cardassians and then, you know, yes. stayed and all of that. Why but does Odo get the... a pass? I don't understand. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need yeah. to, like, be screaming. I tried to, like, move my head further from the microphone when I said that, but. <laughs> yeah. But, like, in, 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 in the same sense, too, it's like, I don't know if Quark gets a, doesn't get a pass in the same way Odo does, but, like. Maybe it's, like, the reluctant, like, I don't think you should have died, like, the collaborators that I, you know, um, were looking for the list of collaborators to murder with the resistance and, like, necessary evil. Um, Because he did, like, you know, was able to kind of help the resistance for money and things like that. So, like, I don't know. I just thought it was interesting. Like, and like you say, why does does Odo get a pass for Kira? I don't know. Because they... It's just different. Yeah. But then again, we have Quark's whole, like, ooh, I like strong women, but I'm not willing to admit it to yeah. myself thing. Right? Oh, totally. I just, I I agree with all of that. and But I just absolutely loved, like, that in an attempt to, like, get away with crimes while Odo's off station, Quark, like, realizes from this interaction that you're describing that he now needs to like that because Kira's the next line of defense in like the security team or whatever he needs to get her distracted (laughs) and he uses I'm sure he's been paying attention and listening to gossip about everyone I bet he knows everyone's secrets and he's like I gotta get Vedic Burial out here to distract her (laughs) That seems just very genius to me, and the idea that you could... I love the idea that he really thought he was distracting her. And, like, throughout the episode, you're kind of seeing it, too, a little bit, you know? They're having their little romance, and then it just comes out that she's like, no, I'm, I'm... I know what's going on, and it's because Vedic Burial is a open and honest person with her and and basically says like he he basically tells her oh yeah that person that um invited me here has a lot of gambling debts with quirk and i'm like vedic burrell how do you know this guy like what is going on here like i want to know the relationship between the guy who had like the gambling debts and vedic burrell is he one of his constituents? Like, what what's going on here? I mean, I think they're just, like, all part of the same, like, the Vedic Assembly and, like, the right. whole, like, organizational structure of the of the church, of the Bajoran church. Right? No, I know. So I just the like prophets. the idea of having, like, a headcanon about, like, some uh, okay. backstory that we don't actually know about. 
Yeah. No, fair enough. And I think that, like, while it was nice to see, like, the sexual tension that between Kira and Beryl that was in their orb experiences back right. when the season opened with the Circle trilogy, um, which feels like way back when now. Right, it does. Um, what is time? But, uh, like, with the Circle trilogy and the sexual tension, so it's nice to see it addressed, addressed and kind of continuing to progress. But, like... I just feel like a lot of why we're supposed to like Vedic Burial and a lot of like why Kira is interested in Vedic Burial, the show tells us, but it doesn't show us. Right. So like it makes it, it makes it a little challenging for me to get super invested in this like relationship. Like I'm not like opposed to it or anything, but I just right. like, I think this show is like telling me these people are interested in each other more than I believe that they're interested in each other. And like, I did like that scene where Kira's like, when he's like, how did you like my sermon? And she's like, I liked every part, but the content. And then like explains why in that, that debate. But like, that was just Kira then explaining. We didn't get to hear like Beryl's side or, or like some of the, the interplay with that. So it's just like, I don't know. This relationship feels like, the scenes we have of them together are like the script telling me that like Kira's really interested for right. reasons we don't see. And like, I think that's maybe why Beryl has the reputation about being a turnip, uh, the personality of a turnip. I don't know. Like, I feel like they're trying to imply that he's this like intelligent guy that she has interesting conversation with and that they, are interested in the same things, maybe not exactly the same, because obviously she she tells him that she didn't agree with whatever his speech was, but like they, I do enjoy their like our let's argue fun banter. Like I do get that the I do like the fun banter, and I can see the sexual tension from that, but like he does seem like someone where we're supposed to think he's like this huge intellectual and maybe we're not actually seeing it yeah but i so like i i definitely get what you're saying and like i think that they're cute together but like he's not someone that would work for me personally um but i do wonder if they ever admit to each other about their sexual or orb dreams like i know they said that they like i feel like they they admitted that they had like orb dreams about each other, but it what they never admitted that they were sexual. So now I'm like, are they gonna tell each other about their sexual orb dreams? That's the show I want to watch. I did like the final scene in that storyline where like Kira caught Quark's cousin again and goes back to him. And basically, it's like, hey, I know what you did, right. and like she has that line where like, oh, and thank you for inviting, ensuring that Vanek Barile was invited to the station. I found him very distracting and she like looks at him she's like i know what you did bitch and walks away and then and then quark's like not distracting enough <laughs> i do like when like quark has a ridiculous scheme and it fails like it just yeah it's very enjoyable to watch all right so now we have the a plot Dax, Odo, and the mysterious, the mysterious Omicron particle colony and missing people. 
I didn't get too worked up in the whole mystery aspect of this storyline. I'm more interested in what this colony actually is rather than who's disappearing these people. So I was just going to sum that up real quick, if you don't mind, unless you had Mm -hmm. something you wanted to... Nope, nope, go ahead. Okay, so basically after being accused of, I guess, uh, disappearing people, about 22 people are missing in this Gamma gamma Quadrant colony, Odo and Dax kind of realize, oh, everyone in this colony is actually a hologram. Except for except for one. I am very interested in the choice to tell the holograms that they're holograms. Like it gives me a very big matrixy feel. Like they've given these colonists. I almost wrote, said columnists, like they're writing a column. <laughs> um, they give them the red pill, but they don't give them a choice in the matter. They just tell them. I I know they're holograms, but I still, if you're going to, in the end, I guess, treat them as if they're real people, it's weird to me to, like, tell them this. Like, they, Dax and Odo could have fixed it without explaining everything. And then either this, each character would have their, oh, this is where I was for that time I was missing, or one of my friends, Reg, suggested, oh, maybe just... <laughs> program it so that everyone forgets they were missing. That being said, that would not be a Star Trek episode. So that would be less boring. I mean, that would be boring. I think. I'm trying very hard not to go down to a Matrix Resurrections <laughs> rabbit hill and the whole like discussion of like free will and choice and all that because I just rewatched that movie last week because it I know it's on VOD I think in the states now because it's not on HBO Max anymore but it came out right. on, on VOD here like earlier so I was jonesing to watch it so I rented it yeah um, I I might rent it because just... I regret not watching it a second time yeah um. Yeah, because I've been wanting to rewatch it because I was recently on the Wild Pretty Things podcast where we talked about our favorite films of 2021, and we had a, a Matrix section on on that film. So if you want to hear Empty Head, I love Matrix Resurrections thoughts as with the the rest of the gang on on that pod, please go check it out. It's definitely available now because it's out now, and this episode will post in a couple more weeks. Yes. Um, but yeah, I I think the whole and again not to invoke another Star Trek show, um, but like the whole de- portrayal of the holographic characters as sentient individuals is is interesting, especially in which um, that becomes a major um, drama point for a later Voyager episode when yep. one of their main characters is a hologram. Yep. Um, but when when they when Dax and Odo find out that Rurigan is the one who is a humanoid who set it up and was, you know, set up the the hollow village and and, and things like that. Um, Odo gonna, has this... I want to call it a oh, hollow a hollow 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 hollow. Yes, there you go. Um, Odo has this quote to him that I want to I want to says has this quote has this line that I want to read. Mm-hmm and then talk about a bit. 
Maybe by our definition, Taya's not real. Her memories are stored in a computer. Her body's made up of Omicron particles. Who's to say that our definition of life is the only valid one? I'm sure if you asked her, she would say she was real. She thinks. She feels. And our most recent episode that we just um, released, that I had just edited before we recorded this podcast, was our episode on the alternate, which Mm -hmm. was the one with Dr. Moira and you know it was the odo episode and, and things like that and it that's this odo odo specifically saying this quote and this quote from anyone would like impact me but odo specifically with having all of our discussion on the alternates and how odo can be othered and you know odo mm-hmm. jr was was othered and you know it and they and all uh, verse they and all of that stuff um it just it just really hit me like pretty hard this week and mm-hmm. it's just and like of course odo would be advocating for this perspective because it's it's based on his own like lived experience right no totally i i i agree and it it, it's interesting because the holograms have progressed and they have families and they have brains of their own and i yeah really feel like even when Dr. Mora was came to Deep Space Nine, he was like, "Oh, you." He was like complimenting um, Odo's uh, policing skills and all this other stuff, and he's like, "You really fit into their society." And Odo's like, "I'm just doing my job," but like the idea that anyone can progress, and not to imply that being a changeling and being a hologram are the same thing, but Odo can basically be anything he wants. So for him to, like, that's something he's chosen himself. So it's just really interesting. Yeah, and I think I said I wasn't going to go down a Matrix rabbit hole, but I, I mean, I always love a Matrix rabbit hole, but as long as it's like the White Rabbit. <laughs> um but the ways in which the holograms like you say they do they were programmed by Rurigan, but they've had their own relationships they've had you know digital children or like had children and did things like like yep. they've grown beyond the parameters of their original program yeah and that very well it reminded me again like in matrix revolutions the third matrix movie when you meet sati and she's being smuggled into the matrix she's a program the child of two other programs that they weren't supposed to like have a have a program child, but they did, yeah. and so they're taking her to the the Oracle to protect her and, and and different things like that. But it's just, yeah, I th- I think you're I think it's it's very apt, um, and I like I don't necessarily have an issue or this same kind of like concerns about letting them know because again i think part of letting the them know isn't about taking away their their agency or their autonomy or their sentience it's like the oh hey this is like the resource that you need to maintain let's teach you how to maintain it so you can still like live right i I just want to clarify because i definitely believe that i gave the impression that i am against them telling them like i definitely think i said that but i'm more interested in the fact of like how telling them versus not telling them would would like affect them more than like is it a good or bad decision if that makes sense yeah so i probably like came on a little too strong 
in the they shouldn't have told them. But I'm more interested in the question and how it how everyone reacts to it rather than whether that you should do it or not do it. Yeah, like and and of course like over the course of like a 45 minute episode there's not going to be the one guy who hasn't, they're not going to show the one guy who has an existential crisis. Right. right? <laughs> and, and like, I'm sure there's someone just off screen, like, you know, just ah! totally like forking, just totally being forky. Right. Yeah. Um, um I turn I'm that trash. film, I'm, tr- I turn that film off. So I don't really get forky references, but I understand from the osmosis of living in the world. I have very, I, I, no offense to Toy Story 4, but I, I found it, a, I turned it off after 15 minutes. I wasn't interested. Um, but I still got your reference, which means that there was no point in me saying any of that. Yeah, and we got another mention of the Dominion in this episode, which was first right. introduced in um, Rules of Acquisition. So, I don't know, maybe maybe we'll meet them at some point this, you know. They don't Dominion sound. That's they don't out there sound great. In the Gamma Quadrant. No, no, they don't. Lots of like people leaving because yes. Dominion attacked them. <laughs> so how do we feel about Rurigan living amongst these hollow programs instead of living around actual people? I know it's not the same, but I felt. I felt a connection with this from the standpoint of since I've been online more the last like five years, and especially since COVID started, a lot of my friends live in other cities and other countries. And like, obviously, my friends are actual human beings. Um, as far as you know. As far as I know, that's entirely true. But like, we don't get to share. I could be an elaborate AI. I've met you in person. Oh, that's right. <laughs> but like, you like I don't get to share physical space with these people and it's like I know it's not the same thing but it like does feel like I don't know sometimes I feel like the people in my computer that I talk to are I connect more with them than people that are around me and I hope that doesn't upset anyone, but it's definitely something that I feel sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's like, and the episode didn't really, like, explore it. Like, obviously, this is, like, designed as some kind of, like, therapeutic aid or something like that for her again. But it's, like, also, like, he's kind of god and that like or a god-like figure because like he created them all but then like didn't he know how to fix it but then he was worried about not telling like i don't know there's just it was a very star trek sort of like sci-fi sort of like twist and idea of like you know that quote that i read earlier about what's real what's not and like clearly we're again like love taya and and things like that yeah she was his granddaughter and it's interesting i'm glad he decided to stay with them because after odo goes into that whole speech about like they're real because you care about them like i would i i mean obviously he's gonna die at some point and i don't know how long 
Dax's fix is going to work for, but, like, there might be a time when, like, this hollow generator is not working or whatever it's called. And, like, the idea of, I know they're not real, but, like, the idea of those holograms all being gone makes me a little sad. I think I would have stayed, too. Sorry, my internet cut out there. Say that again. I basically just said that I would have stayed too. And it made me it makes me sad to think that the colony wouldn't be there if he left. But also yeah. what it what happens when he dies cuz he's dying. Then it just and I think that's part of why you <laughs> shatter the reality of the non-carbon-based life forms in the colony because then you can teach them to like how to do the maintenance when people if people were to start disappearing again oh that's smart so they can just go on on their own interesting i didn't think of it from that perspective it was a really good episode it was like not one of my faves but i think it's probably like a little bit underrated and just kind of like not a classic but a almost a classic like you know what i mean it's yeah. like three three and a half stars i really um i really enjoyed it also like a solid three and a half stars four stars in my heart i'm not gonna read it but so it's time for the altair water thirst quencher altair water first being mentioned by dr mccoy in star trek three so who are you thirsting for this week elise i just need to say red alert <laughs> <laughs> we got some kissing in this episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was really into the fun banter when Varile asked Kira if she liked his speech. And she's like, I loved everything about it except the content. <laughs> I wish I was ballsy enough to say that to someone and then kiss them later. Like, ugh, yeah, she's amazing. So, yeah, yeah I'm thirsting for Kira. Do we want her or do we want to be her? It's a tie this time around. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and my my moment is probably the one I referenced earlier where uh, it's the like quark being like, ooh, what is this feeling? Do I like strong women? Sort of like the, <laughs> yeah. the kind of, you know, I don't know. The Quark's a bit of a brat. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> what's your candidate for most star trek thing um i feel like before i get to that i just need to say that cork is my like number one problematic wood like in all of star trek (laughs) (laughs) i don't think i said that out loud but that is my deepest truth <laughs> um, my most Star Trek thing is the fact that Dex and Odo found Omicron particles. I swear, ever since the Omicron variant of COVID has started, I've heard the word Omicron in so many Star Trek episodes. Like, it's been like across like various series. It's not just like on Deep Space Nine. I've heard it. I think I heard it on Voyager. Sorry, I knocked my desk i think i heard it on voyager i definitely heard it on the original series and now on deep space nine so the use of omicron or omicron particles is my most star trek thing what about you (sighs) yeah yeah 
thought I had one, but I don't know if I did, so. It's like that scene where, um, <clears throat> where Paul has that really great idea on Mad Men and, like, talks to, I guess, that janitor named, or the custodial staff, that guy named Apollo or whatever his yeah. name was, and then he forgets to write it down. Yeah. And then, like, is scared to tell Don the next morning. And Peggy's just like, he forgot to write it down. And Don's like, oh, I hate when that happens. And he thinks he's, like, going to get fired. You're not going to get fired. It's okay if you didn't write it down. (laughs) (laughs) Well, until next time, Elise, where can folks find more of you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Elise underscore Tendi, E-L-Y-S-E underscore T-E-N-D-I. And you? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd as well at Mattyhugh, M-A-T-T-Y-H-U-G-H. You can also catch me talking about Mad Men on my Mad Men podcast, Still Great Bob. Their Twitter and Instagram is Still Great Pod. Um, we should have come back after a hiatus by the time that this this episode gets posted. You can find Elise and I together on Twitter and Instagram at PodWraiths. And you can also email us at podrace at gmail.com. And yeah, if you're interested in a discussion on our favorite movies of 2021, or at least my favorite movies of 2021, um, and Elise does get a mention on the podcast, check out the Wild Pretty Things podcast. Please remember to rate and review us on the podcatching system of your choice. And thank you again to GJ Empirical for our interstellar theme song. And until next time, computer... End program. Bye.